Well, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together. We thank you that wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst. Whether it's here or wherever people are in their homes watching and joining us for this service, we pray, Lord, that there would be such a tangible sense of your presence, of your love and your grace. May you envelop each and every one with a sense of your divine presence and purpose. We thank you, Lord, that as I share the word today, you, Holy Spirit, will speak to each and every one. And I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place and leave this moment of time, Lord, with a sense of faith rising in our hearts for all that we face as we step out into our world to be the difference that you created us to be, to be salt and light in our day and our generation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. Good to be in church, and I'm just going to echo uh, Jess's words about spring. I love the fact that we're entering into this spring season. We have a fig tree in our garden, and uh, I know that when those buds begin to sprout and the leaves begin to form, spring is here, and it's a great time of year. Uh, I love summer. I've always said that, uh, that uh, winter is uh, a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. There was no winter in the garden, uh, and there's nothing to tell us whether there was or there wasn't. That's just my particular perspective on it. But anyway, uh, again, as Jacob said, I can't believe Easter is here. Every year we have a, uh, a, a theme for Easter. Our theme for this year is... Thank you for that. Uh, no, I'll rephrase that question. Not our theme for Easter. Our theme for 2021 is... Good, good. At least you heard something that I've been speaking about for the last three months. Uh, our theme for this year is presents for the year. But for Easter, our theme is till the end of time. And... Jesus, if you remember, the very last thing that he said to his disciples as they were on the Mount of Olives before he ascended into heaven, he told them to go out into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever things I've taught you, make disciples. And he said, and lo, I am with you until the end of time. Or in some versions, lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Jesus promised that he would be with us. He promised that he would be present, and we're going to explore that Palm Sunday next Sunday. I'm glad that Jacob's going to come with a shirt with, a, with a palm leaves on. As long as he doesn't take his shirt off and start waving it around, we'll be okay. And uh, then, of course, Good Friday. We have a one-hour communion service on Good Friday and uh, we'll let you know the time. I believe that it's seven o'clock, one hour communion. I'll be sharing a message about the sacrificial death of Jesus and what it means for each and every one of us, having a time of worship. And then, of course, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. 
And I want to encourage you with, uh, to do something. Think about who you can invite to come to church or to invite to join us online. I know that as a young man, 42 years ago, very young man, I was invited to go to church by some friends. And I went to church on Easter Sunday morning. And I'd never been to a church like that before. I grew up in England in a very kind of, you know, Anglican, conservative uh, church. You know, those old, beautiful old stone buildings. I'd love to have an old stone building for a church. Obviously, I'm the only one in here who would. But, um, I, yeah, die would, die up the back. Can I see another eye? Can I see another hand? Right? Well, yes, there's a few hands going up. Okay. Um, and uh, I grew up in, a, in, in that kind of environment. I always had a sensitivity to God. And, uh, but I never knew what it was to have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And I was invited to church on that Easter Sunday. And we had a time of worship similar to what we're having today. Songs were somewhat different back in the day, 42 years ago. Some of you people who are longer in the tooth and been around in church life a lot, a lot, you'll remember some of those songs. Some of them were terrible, but the presence of God was amazing. And I can, I'll never forget the presence of God. And something happened that day that set into motion a, a, a sequence of questions that I asked and started asking myself, why did I not believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life? Why did I believe there were many paths to God, which was my position at that time? And through the process of, uh, over the course of what would have been probably a couple of months, two to three months, I, I came to a place where I asked God this question, Lord, if you are, Jesus, if you are the only way, reveal yourself to me. And at the end of that, I tagged on, but if you're not the only way, I'm very happy with life the way it is. Because I wasn't at that point of desperation where I felt like my world was going to collapse if I didn't encounter Jesus. But if Jesus was the way, I wanted to know. And as a result of that, I had a literal vision of Jesus that transformed my life. But I, the reason I'm saying that is it all began with an invitation. It all began with an invitation. And I don't know, I, I was seeking and I was looking for truth, but it was that invitation that was the catalyst that set into motion a sequence of events that brought about my salvation that I can stand here today and testify of what God has done in my life. So I want to encourage you, invite one person uh, and if even if they can't come to church, send them a link, but encourage them to come to church, and let's believe God that what happened to me will happen to them. And some who've lost their way. How many of you know that over the last uh, 12 months, many, many people who were, have been Christians in church, actively involved, have lost their way over the last 12 months? And now, as Jess said, is a time, and this is kind of like a prophetic, a prophetic thing, now is the time, now is the time for the church to rise up. Now is the time for us to re-engage. Now is the time, more than any other, for us to be a voice of hope and faith for our day and our generation. So I just thought I'd share that with you. Easter is upon us. Next Sunday, 
Palm Sunday, I'm going to speak about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Well, recently we've been talking about the heart. Put your hand on your chest. You've got a heart in there somewhere. We've all got a heart. And the Bible tells us that the heart is the thing that we need to guard above everything else. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the springs of life. Our heart is fundamentally important, not just for us in a physical sense, pumping blood uh, to and from right through our body, sending oxygen to every part of our body, cleansing all of our organs, doing all the work that it does. It is fundamentally important. The most unappreciated part of our body because we ignore, so often ignore it, but it's there working hard every single day. And just as we need to look after our heart in a natural sense through healthy diet and exercise, the Word of God tells us above all else, guard your heart. Watch over it. If we don't guard our hearts, we'll end up with dis-ease, spiritual disease, emotional disease, psychological dis-ease, relational dis-ease. And we've been talking about recently about how just in, as in the same way as we can have a blockage in our heart that can cause all sorts of problems, um, can be fatal potentially, that in the same way spiritually we can have a spiritual blockage in our heart that is impeding or restricting the flow of God's Spirit and life through us. We've been looking specifically at two brothers, twins, Esau and Jacob, and we've been looking at how they had issues in their heart that became a blockage to the flow of God's life, spirit, and purpose in them. And all, both of those issues began in their heart. The story of Esau, if you haven't heard, uh, if you're not familiar with the story, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, the last two podcasts. The first one was about Three weeks ago was about Esau. Last week we began Jacob. We're continuing with Jacob today. But Esau had an issue with his brother. His brother had stolen his, uh, had, had, had deceived him into selling his birthright, the rights of the firstborn son, the inheritance. And he had, he had stolen his blessing or deceived his father into blessing Jacob rather than him. And so in the story, when we read through the story, the story says that Jacob said, sorry, Esau said in his heart, Genesis 27 verse 41, Esau said in his heart, how important it is what we say in our hearts. I've been recently reminding myself about the fact that we need to speak to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves. And he said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. In other words, when my father dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. And he said that in his heart, and the reason he said that, we read in the, in, in the, 
at the beginning of that verse, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. He hated him because his brother had taken advantage of him at a moment of weakness and it sold his birthright to him. He hated him because his brother had deceived his father and stolen the blessing. And that word because became a blockage in his heart. He lived as a victim from that day because of what his brother had done. If we live our lives as a response to what other people have done, it's going to lead to a blockage in our heart. And so Esau lived with a blockage in his heart, and that word because was that blockage in his heart that impeded the flow. Anyone here not had something hurtful happen to you? Not one person. But the reality is we all have a choice how we respond to what has happened to us in life. And Esau did not respond well. And this is what the book of Hebrews says, watch out, Hebrews 12, 15 to 17, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. In other words, Esau had a root of bitterness in his heart because of what his brother had done. And that create, created a blockage in his heart and derailed his destiny and impeded and obstructed his relationship with God. So his other brother, Jacob, we looked at last week, his problem was the word if. Jacob was a schemer. The word Jacob means supplanter or schemer or deceiver. Jacob was a, a supplanter. He was born twin brother. He was born second, holding on to his brother's heel, trying to pull him back so that he could be born first. He deceived his brother, or he took advantage of his brother, as we've just said, and his brother sold him his birthright at a moment of weakness. He deceived, impersonated his brother, and deceived his father, received the blessing. And so his whole life was all about taking advantage of every situation. And in Jacob's mind, the end always justified the means. If I can grab onto my brother's heel, if I can get my brother to sell his birthrights, uh, if I can deceive my father, I will get the blessing. Jacob had an if problem. And that if was always positioned in the wrong place in the sentence of his life. In other words, Jacob was living on the wrong side of if. I wonder if you've ever thought about it that you, can, you and I, we can live on the wrong side of if or we can live on the right side of if. And Jacob, for the, the first part of his life, we're going to look at his journey, he lived on the wrong side of if. And um, he knew, he knew that his, God had spoken to his mother while he and Esau were still in the womb and they were struggling together, wrestling in the womb. And and uh, Jacob's mother, Rebekah, asked God, what 
is going on inside me. And God said this, two nations are in your womb, two people shall be separated from your body, one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. In other words, God proclaimed, He prophesied that Esau would serve Jacob, that Jacob would have the place of preeminence in the family line. No doubt, Rebekah had communicated this to Jacob. So instead of Jacob saying, if I trust God, if, if, if I align my life with God's Word, if I allow God's purpose to come to pass without trying to force it to happen, if I align my thinking to God's Word, then His Word will come to pass. But instead of that, his whole life on, was on the wrong side of it. If, if I can grab my brother's heel, this was before he was born, no doubt before he heard this, if I can grab my if I can deceive my brother, if I can take advantage of him, he was always on the lookout to try and take advantage of every situation. And so the juncture, the point that I wonder that I come to, and for those of you that were with us last week, I've I've recapped some of what the content of last week's message, but the point I want to come to is Jacob is, is on his way to Mesopotamia to his uncle Laban's house. Laban is Rebekah's brother. He's living in Padan Aram in upper Mesopotamia, which was where Abraham had come from or was on his way to the promised land. He stopped at Padan Aram. That was where many of Abraham's family were. So when Rebekah hears that Esau wants to kill Jacob, she sends him to her, her brother's house and told Isaac he needs to go there and find himself a good wife in Mesopotamia. And so Jacob is on his way. He's in the wilderness, and he has a dream. And in that dream, he sees the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder. And at the top of the ladder, God speaks to him. And God reiterates the promise to him that God will be with him. He will give the land that he's lying on to his descendants. He will, his descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And he goes on to say that uh, in his seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In other words, he is reiterating the promise that God had given to Abraham and to Isaac and was now giving to Jacob. And God says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I promised to you or what I have spoken to you. And here's the interesting thing. This verse, Genesis 28, 20 to 21. Then Jacob made a vow. Where did he make the vow? In his heart. He made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and if God will give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Jacob responds with a conditional sentence after he's received an unconditional promise. I want to I reiterate that. Jacob responds with a conditional sentence when he's received an unconditional promise. The promise that God gave to Jacob was not conditional on his behavior. Jacob 
is a study in, <laughs> in, in scheming, deceiving, um, uh, manipulating situations, and yet God gives him an unconditional promise. How many of you are glad that God gives us an unconditional promise? And yet so often we respond to God's unconditional love with conditional responses. And so here Jacob responds with a conditional response, which is when you read into it, I mean, it's easy to read over passages of Scripture and go, yeah, okay, yeah, that's what Jacob said. But if we read into it, Jacob has an awakening. He's awakened to the presence of God, but he needs a transformation. And Jacob, just like all of us, awakening, an awakening is very different to a transformation. We can have an awakening today. If you're watching online or whether you're here, we can accept Christ as our Savior. Like I was awakened all those years ago on that freezing cold winter's night in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales, Australia. I had an encounter with Jesus. That was an awakening. But I needed transformation. I needed to change. I needed a transformation. And so Jacob has an awakening but he needs to be transformed, and he, he makes it evident because his response to God is to respond in like, in type. If you, if you do this, God, then I will do that. If you look after me. Instead of saying, I am so thankful for your promise. If I begin to trust God, if I stop trying to deceive, if I stop trying to supplant, if I tr stop trying to force these things to happen, I'll live with God's blessing in my life. If I tithe and I give my tithe to God, then God will bless me. He had an awakening, but he needed a transformation because he was living on the wrong side of if. Jacob was on the wrong side of if. I wonder what side of if we live on or how often we cross the line to the wrong side of if. For example, if is a defining word. It depends where we put if in the sentence of our lives. As I've just said, it was a if is if and with the word then in it is a conditional sentence. So let's look at some examples from our own lives. For example, when it comes to friendships, It's easy to say, if you're friendly to me, then I'll be friendly to you. We're on the wrong side of if. Because the Bible says, a man, Proverbs 18, 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. In other words, the Bible's telling us, if we're going to be on the right side of if, our response should be, if I'm friendly guess what? Then I'll have friends. So we can choose when it comes to friends, friendships. I've been in church life for a long time, 42 years, and uh, not just this church, but other churches and other pastors I know and people that say, very often people go into a church and say, well, that church is not, isn't friendly. I couldn't make any friends there. Well, a good question to ask would be, how hard did you try to make friends? 
Did you show yourself friendly? I mean, I'm looking across the congregation here. There's a lot of people here that I'm friends with and I could be friends with. And, and it all begins with me showing myself friendly. So usually if we're on the wrong side of if when it comes to friends, it's hard to make friends. But when we're on the right side of if, it's a whole lot easier to make friends. And I understand that some people are shy by nature. And, and, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the principle of approaching friendship from the right side of if. Um, <laughs> social media. If you like my Instagram posts, then I'll start liking yours. If you friend me on Facebook then I'll friend you. If you unfriend me on Facebook, then I'll unfriend you. Um, if you unfollow me, I'll unfollow you. All the wrong side of if, or the right side of if. When it comes to generosity, it's so easy to think, well, if you're generous, if I, I am a recipient of generosity, then I will be generous to others. But that's the wrong side of if, because the Bible tells us a generous man or person, Proverbs eleven twenty five, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. In other words, if I refresh you, then I will be refreshed. When it comes to conflict, anyone ever got into conflict? If you're married here, you don't have arguments, you just have disagreements. So easy to say, if you change your tone, then I'll change mine. Wrong side of if. No, if I change my tone, then chances are you're going to change your tone because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger, Proverbs 15 and verse 1. Um, when it comes to apologizing, how many people here find it easy to say sorry? Oh, good, good. I want to ask how many people find it hard. But when it comes to apologizing, you know, sometimes if you apologize to me, then I'll apologize to you. That's the wrong side of if. Even if in the disagreement or even if in the situation you are 90% right, how many of you know that whenever there's any kind of uh, a conflict or disagreement, no one is ever 100% right? So even if you are 90% right and 10% and wrong, the Bible tells us be the first to apologize. Apologize first. Easier said than done very often. But if you do, then you're on the right side of if. If I apologize to you, then I'm going to make way for you to apologize to me. Jesus said, when you go take your gift to the altar, first make peace with your brother and then come back and present your gift. When it comes to forgiveness... So easy when people heard us to go, well, when you come back, when you come back crawling on your knees over broken glass, then I'll forgive you. And only then. And you can count yourself lucky that I'm going to forgive you then. You're on the wrong side of if. 
we're on the wrong side of if when we take that approach. Rather than understanding, rather than seeing, if I forgive you, then I release myself from the trap of unforgiveness, and I release you to be restored relationally. And understanding that Jesus said, if you forgive, this is God speaking now, if you forgive people their wrongdoing, then your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. And Jesus went on to say, if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. How much do we all need forgiveness in our own lives? When it comes to believing, it's easy to say, if Jesus appears to me, then I'll believe in him. That's what Thomas said. Unless I can put my hands in Jesus' side and put my finger in his, the nail prints in his hand, I won't believe. Thomas was on the wrong side of if. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, you have seen, when Jesus appeared to him, Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus is saying, if you believe, then I will reveal myself to you. And then when it comes to the subject matter here in this story of Jacob, Jacob says, Lord, if you'll bless me, if you'll keep me, if you'll watch over me, if you'll pay all my bills, if you'll make sure that I'm, I'm taken care of, and if you protect me, and if everything goes well in life, and if everything works out the way I want it to, then I'll give you one-tenth of everything that you give me. How generous was Jacob? Instead of, he was on the wrong side of if, instead of saying, if I tithe, if I bring one-tenth of all that comes into my life to God, and I bring my tithe to God, then I believe that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, I won't be able to contain it. And the Word of God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now. And this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. So if I bring my tithe into the storehouse, then God will open the windows of heaven. And there, is so ma there are so many passages of Scripture that we could look at and so many different situations where those conditional sentences, if and then, can either be a curse or a blessing. They can either block the flow of God's life and spirit in our lives, in our relationships, or they can release a flow of God's life and blessing. What side of if are we living on? And in the closing few minutes that I have, I want to highlight a couple of things that I think are important. The first thing is that when we're living on the wrong side of if, we'll end up living with people like ourselves. Jacob's mother sent him to Laban, her brother. Now, 
if you go back to the story when Isaac sent his servant to find a bride for Isaac, and Isaac's servant went into Laban's house, there's an interesting verse there where it says that Laban opened the door to Isaac's servant, and when he saw all of the treasure that he was carrying, his eyes just about fell out of his head, and he opened the door and he said, come in, O blessed of the Lord, and welcomed him into the house. Laban was an opportunist. And as the story unfolds, we find now Isaac's son, Jacob, goes back to his uncle Laban, and he's met his match. He's met someone who is every bit as uh, much of an opportunist as he is. And it's interesting that in life, like attracts like. Have you ever noticed that? Birds of a feather not only flock together, but birds of a feather end up together. They end up together because like attracts like. There is a gravitational pull. People are attracted to people of like spirit. So if we're living on the wrong side of if, chances are we're going to have a lot more encounters with other people look living on the wrong side of if than if we're living on the right side of if. And when we look at the story of Jacob and, and his time with Laban, his uncle, this, many of you will be familiar with the story about how Jacob was um, worked for seven years for the hand of Laban's daughter, Rachel. And after seven years of hard work on the marriage night, Laban switches brides and gives Leah to Jacob on the wedding night, unbeknown to Jacob. Don't ask me how that happened. But anyway, according to the customs of the day, obviously he, there was no facial recognition on the wedding night. And because of that no facial recognition, Jacob wakes up the next morning and looks over and sees it is Leah not Rachel. He's been deceived. Laban has switched brides on him. Jacob is now beginning to reap what he sowed. Jacob is now starting to take and receive some of his own medicine. And then so he says, I'm going to work another, okay, give me Rachel. Give me Rachel as a bride, and then I'll, I'll, I'll work another seven years for her. And there's a beautiful verse there where it says, and Jacob served Laban for seven years and so great was his love for Rachel that it seemed like a day. So he works another seven years. And then over the years, Laban is continually changing the wages, changing Jacob's wages, cheating him out of his wages. And Genesis 31, 6 to 7, this is what Jacob says. When he's finally had enough, He's met his match. He's been out-cheated, out-deceived, outsmarted. And he says to his daughters, you know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has cheated me, changing my wages 10 times. When we live on the wrong side of if, we're going to bump into people like ourselves all the time. 
And we ought not to be surprised. As a man or a woman sows, the Bible says, so shall they reap. Galatians 6, 6 to 8 says, and this is in the expounded version, Do not be fooled, deceived, mistaken. You cannot cheat, mock, make a fool of God. People harvest only what they plant, reap what they sow. You know, there's a little bit of Jacob in all of us. Jacob is the picture. If you look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they basically represent the the journey of faith of all of us. Abraham, the father of faith. Isaac, the one who inherited the promises of God, which all of us do. Jacob, the one who struggled with God, struggled in his walk with God, struggled with his humanity, struggled with his problem. And Jacob, in a sense, is a picture of all of us. There's a little bit of Jacob in all of us. And when, when, when that takes place, the second thing I want to highlight is we not only meet people like ourselves, but life is a constant struggle. When Jacob had an encounter with God, God, he wrestles with an angel in the night. And the angel is, in fact, an angel of God. The angel is God himself. The angel is a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. There's a whole other subject there, and there's a whole other study there. And the angel of God says, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. That word prevailed doesn't mean he defeated men or God. It means that he defeated his own human nature in his struggle with other people and his struggle with God. That word Hebrew, the Hebrew word for prevailed is yakol, which means to overcome or to overpower. He, 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 he overcame his own deficiencies. He overcame. Now Jacob has gone through a transformation in exactly the same way as a caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis and in its struggle to get out of the cocoon spreads its wings and, and flies and is transformed from an ugly caterpillar into a beautiful butterfly. The word transformation comes from the word metamorphosis or metamorpho in Greek, which means a transformation. And it speaks about the struggle that we all have with our own human nature for our true nature in Christ to be revealed. Life was a struggle. And it was only when Jacob struggled with God and wrestled with God on, at the brook Jabbok as he came over the other side of the river to come back and return to confront or to meet Isaac. And as he struggled with God, he said this. He said, I, I, I'm, I, I will not let go of you until you bless me. He wrestles with the angel all night. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And this is what God, what is your name? The man asked, or the angel asked. And he replied, Jacob. God says, your name will no longer be called Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and men and have overcome. 
he crossed that river. And it's almost as if that river was a point in his life where he crossed over from the wrong side of if to the right side of if. Maybe that river should have been called if. He struggled with men and he struggled with God. And I want to encourage you. We all struggle. We all struggle with our own human nature. We all struggle with our own inadequacies, in our, with our own fears, with our own issues. But I think this story is a great reminder to us all of how if we live on the right side of if, it transforms every relationship we have, transforms our relationship with God. It gives us a different perspective on life. Let's not let because the things that have happened to us become an, an impeding blockage in our heart to the flow of God's life and spirit. Let's not let the conditional words if and then become an impedance to the flow of God's life in our own hearts. And that when we, when we wrestle with our own human nature and we surrender to God, we can know that touch of God on our lives that can bring His blessing and the flow of His life to every aspect of our lives. What side of if are we living on? What side of if are we going to choose to live on? So that in doing, making those choices and making those decisions, we're making sure that there's nothing in our hearts that's going to stop the flow of God's life, the flow of God's presence in every aspect and area of our lives. And just like Jacob, as we struggle with our humanity, we can overcome through the grace of God and through the power of His Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Come on, let's stand together as our worship team come. Let me pray for you. And then we're going to worship God for a few more moments. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the truths of your word and the principles of your word and that have been written and recorded so that we, we, can, we can approach you with open hearts and open spirits and that the entrance of your word can bring light and revelation and that you can speak to us through your word. I pray that for each and every one of us, that as we, as we, as we come before you, that our, we could have open hearts, that we could have hearts that are sensitive to you, hearts that are receptive, receptive to your word. And Lord, as we approach all of the challenges and situations of life, let those things that have happened to us not become points that would, or moments that would allow any bitterness to take root in our heart. May we live on the right side of if, and may we know your grace and your presence and your spirit moving in our lives as a result. We open up our hearts and open up our spirits to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
we pray. Come on, let's worship God together for a few more moments. take a moment to to pray would you close your eyes for a moment and during these moments wherever you're at in your relationship with God in your walk with God I want to encourage you to take a moment to just pause and reflect and to think of God's love and grace towards you and to take a moment to to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us about our relationship with Him. And if you're here today and you've never ever made a commitment to, to Christ, you've never opened up your heart and accepted God's love, His grace, and His forgiveness, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Jesus called it being born again, being born of the Spirit, having a spiritual awakening to the presence of God, to His love, to His divine purpose for your life. And that happens simply by saying yes. We don't have to earn God's favor, His approval. We don't have to do anything other to, than to accept what He did for us 2,000 years ago. He took our sins, our wrongdoing upon Himself, was nailed to a cross, took the penalty of our sin upon Himself so that we could be free from the penalty of our sins and receive the gift of eternal life. 
And all we have to do is say yes. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never done that, to do that today, to take that this moment as an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you've made a commitment in the past, but your heart's grown cold, you become distant, and you no longer are walking with God the way you were. What a great opportunity to be able to make that a recommitment of your life to Christ. And I want to pray this prayer. And if you pray this prayer, I know that God will hear it and He will answer it. And you will know His presence. You'll know His forgiveness. You'll know, have an assurance of the promise of eternal life. So let's pray together. And if you pray this, pray it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. I open up my heart and I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And I will never be the same again because of what you did for me and because of the work of your Holy Spirit in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on, let's thank.